أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله تبارك وتعالى وسلم على سيدنا محمد سيدنا وسندنا وحبيبنا وشفيعنا ومولانا صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه وأزواجه وذرياته وأهل بيته ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين وبعد First of all before beginning uh, the content of this talk I wanted to thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for allowing me to be present. I wanted to thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for allowing me to take a part in this work. I wanted to thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for giving me this maqam that I did not earn and I don't deserve uh, in order to speak about this issue and to do the work on this topic, this work which is treated like a diseased leper even by our own fraternity of ulama and students of knowledge, even by the, uh, mashallah, aspirants to the spiritual path, even by the people, if I had told you today that big Sheikh Peer with a 25-gallon turban is giving out his khilafat today, the masjid would be filled. And if I told you the Grand Mufti of Congo came and he's giving out sanads uh, and uh, ijazat, the masjid would be filled. And for some reason or another, all of the, those things, the thing that they're built on, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala only chooses a certain number of people to come. And I can see even the irritation from amongst my own peers with regards to this uh, topic. Not all of them, but many of them. Why, why are we talking about this? Why are we bringing this up? I literally, once I was talking to a very famous speakery type individual, somebody whose uh, honorarium is in the you know, five figures for one bayan. There are many people like that, mashallah. I, met, I, talk, I speak at MSI, so you know I'm not one of them. <laughs> right? So he came and asked me a fit question about, about something the Maliki Madhab regarding halal and haram. And literally another, another person comes up, why do you guys have to talk about this all the time? Why do you have to talk about this all the time? It's not such a big deal. I said to you, maybe it's not a big deal. I appreciate that. I understand that. You know, like I try to see things from other people's point of view. To you, it's not a big deal. To us, it's deen. It's our religion. So if it's not a big deal to you, I only, I'm only speaking about it with him because he asked me. But for me, it's my deen. Don't tell me it's not a big deal. I don't go and insult your religion that you follow. Please don't insult the one that I follow. So if you want it, here it is. You know in the old days, you know the khilafah used to be given, what, what was it? The khilafah and the tariqah, mashallah, that everybody says, oh, so-and-so is like a big sheikh or whatever. What was it? The sheikh would give his, his khirqa, right? Here, take it. Who wants it? Go ahead. Put it on. Inshallah, <laughs> it's yours. Mashallah, by the way, Bhai Tahir, mashallah, Hafiz Tahir, he is an excellent imam, and he also uh, uh, read sarf from me at Dar al-Qasim, mashallah. The point is, is what? If you, don't, if you don't want to build the foundation of your deen, what's the point of talking about all of those other things? If you're going to fill yourself with haram, what's the point about talking about all of these other things? What's the point about khilafat? What's the point about this? What's the point about that? What's the point about asanid and shaykh al-hadith and uh, fantastical stories about people f- uh, uh, flying in the air and floating on the water and all of this other, uh, all of this other stuff? This is not what you and I came here for uh, as, uh, 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 as the slaves of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I don't want to belabor the matter, mashallah. Mawlana Musayyib did a very good job, uh, uh, you know, uh, driving that point home. The, the title I was given is Meat of the Matter, the Fiqh of Halal. It should be sufficient to you what the bizarre calamity and tribulation we're in, that the Fiqh of Halal is the topic given to the one Maliki in, in, in the organization. Where, where are all of our muftis? Where we let them come, inshallah, and let them also speak to the people and let them also get shoes thrown at them. Let them be banned from masajid. Let them be uh, the annoyance of everybody also. If they actually believe this is a deen, let them carry this cross as well. Don't you know the people who carry the cross, the people who carry the cross for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, those are the ones that go to Jannah. Let them, let them take it. This is our deen. I don't care what an, another person says or thinks about it. So fine, you're here. I don't see, except for by uh, 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 Sadiq, I don't see any other Malikis in the room. Is there? All the rest of us are Hanafis, I'm assuming, right? So let's talk about Hanafi fiqh. I read the Hidayah as well, right? Allah Ta'ala, uh, uh, His Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said what? He said, مَنْ يُرِدِ اللَّهُ بِهِ خَيْرًا يُفَقِّهُ فِي الدِّينَ 
whoever Allah Ta'ala wishes good for, He teaches them understanding of the religion. And this fiqh, mashallah, people have taken a couple of issues and, uh, you know, that, that become hot topics on social media and in chai-related discussions across, the, uh, uh, across America and across the Muslim world. And that's what they think about fiqh. The actual study of fiqh is very exhaustive. It's, if you think reading Nahwan Sarf is like tedious, the actual fiqh to read it is ex- extremely tedious. So we had the same ustad that used to teach us uh, the hidayah, uh, uh, and the same ustad that used to, he taught us the fourth jild of the hidayah, and the same ustad he taught us the, um, uh, the back half of the Mishkatul Masabih. The Mishkatul Masabih is a book of hadith that you read. It's a book of, I guess, technically speaking, ta'aliq. There's no sanad with the hadith, you just read the text of the hadith. Um, and whoever goes through it will have gone through a majority of the, the mutun, the texts of the hadith of the siha sitta. That way when they read the siha sitta, at least in theory, they should be able to focus more on the transmission uh, of the hadith, the chain of narration, etc. Uh, and not have to spend so much time explaining what does the hadith that's being transmitted mean, right? In the Mishkat Dars, everybody would listen avidly. Why is the stories... When it's time to actually analyze them critically and you know, look at things and invoke like all the stuff that you learned in terms of logic, in terms of grammar, in terms of uh, you know, all of the other kind of technical uh, foundational sciences that allow you to objectively say, what does this mean, what does this not mean? It became too tedious. At some point or another, the students would sleep in their dars. And the, she- the sheikh said to them, he said, if you want to come, you can come. I won't take role anymore. Whoever wants to come, come. Whoever doesn't want to come, leave. And something like maybe five, five or six students used to attend that dars. I was one of them. And all I could think of is what? Whoever Allah Ta'ala wants is good for, he has fiqh and deen. So this is the majlis, the khirqa is being uh, uh, given out freely. Whoever wants to come and listen, let them come and listen, inshallah. And if you want to only go to the majlis where the cool people are and where you come to Islam as you are, as it is, and all this other uh, good stuff, then inshallah, push each other out of the way in order to have not with cool people. Okay? Read the, read the chapter with regards to the ba'ih, uh, regards to slaughter in the hidayah. It's very clearly mentioned. One of the differences between the and said, between the uh, uh, slaughter and between uh, uh, hunting, is what? is that the niyyah, the intention that a person is required to make in order to slaughter the animal, has to be made on the animal. You're slaughtering an animal, you make an intention on the animal before slaughtering it, that I'm going to slaughter this animal. Whereas in Sayyid, for example, if you go hunting, okay? Uh, uh, you know, uh, Bhai uh, Wasim sees like Lord of the Rings and he goes out and gets his like uh, uh, long bow and he uh, knocks his arrow and he you know, aims it at whatever wild turkey, right? Our masjid, mashallah, in Cleveland is like a little like Garden of Eden. It's like little Jannah. There are literally uh, deer and wild turkeys and like all sorts of things. It's, and it's really fit, befitting that the masjid is itself like kind of uh, like a franchise of Jannah. And so, man dakhala fahuwa aminun. It's literally, literally like that. I sometimes want to grab one of the animals and like then I say, you know, how could you, how could you shank something in the house of Allah, you know? So, okay, somewhere else, he knocks his arrow and he's, he's going to shoot the turkey. The intention is not on the turkey, the intention is on what? It's on the arrow. Why? This is a very subtle point, by the way. I know many people here are not like madrasa graduates, but you'll actually understand something that maybe the Mawli Sahib who is imam in your masjid slept through or didn't show up to class for. It's a very subtle point. I'm spoon-feeding you the thing that you should be by that time able to like, you know, learn 40, 50 points like this in an hour, I'm going to take like a good 15, 20 minutes to just teach you this one point in order for it to sit in your head and understand something. So you can make amal on it with conviction afterward. You can explain to other people as well. Which is what? The reason there's a difference between the two of them is because when you slaughter an animal, right? You slaughter an animal because uh, 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 the animal is mustatnis. It is domesticated. It's docile. You have control over the animal. That's why the niya is made on the animal, because you have control over the animal. It's domesticated. Whereas when you're hunting, you cannot just hunt a domesticated animal. You can't just be like, oh, look, the Quran has law about like hunting. So here is like the cow Bessie, you know, on the farm. 
and I'm going to roll up to it with, uh, with a bow and arrow or with a spear, and I'm going to say, Bismillah, Allahu Akbar, and I'm just going to like shakazulu this thing, you know, like that's it, I'm going to hit it, you know, you're not, you can't do that. The animal's meta if you do that. The reason hunting has certain rules and regulations that allow those, uh, procedurally, those matters that slaughter doesn't, that dhabh doesn't, is what? Because those animals are wild. You don't have control over them. If you go up and like try to like lay a wild zebra on its side, it will kick you in the mouth, break your jaw. It's not a joke. Right? So there's some different rules and regulations. So the difference between, one of the differences, key differences between uh, uh, slaughter and between hunting is that in slaughter, you make the niyyah on the animal. And in hunting, you make the niyyah on the ala, on the tool or the weapon that's used in order to kill the animal. You following so far? Is there anyone confused? Want me to explain that again? Why? The reason for the difference between the two of them, the Sahib al-Hidayah mentions, is what? Marghinani, you know the Hidayah was a big book back in the day. If you didn't wear it in like Central Asia, if you didn't read the Hidayah, you were not allowed to wear a jubba and a turban. You, know, you became a man by reading that book. Now many of our Mawlis will sleep through it, but because the public itself is like so clueless, they, they don't realize who read it, who didn't. The difference between the one who read it and the one who didn't is like day and night. So what happens? He, 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 he explains this and he explains why. Because you're able to control the animal, and so the animal is one step further. You, you, know, you have the niya with the tool and the animal versus when you're hunting, you can only make the niya on the tool. You can't make the niya on the animal because the animal is not in your control. The reason one is demanded in one case is because it's possible and the reason that the, the, uh, it's not demanded in the other case is because it's a relaxation from Allah Ta'ala in a situation where it's not possible for you to actually control that animal that you're going to kill. And so, uh, 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 tell me something now. Tell me something now. And this is maybe perhaps a remedial uh, point that, that, that bears repetition. Which is, why is it in the first place that intention is needed for either of these two scenarios. And the reason is what? Is that our sharia says that the slaughter of an animal is a, a, a ritual act. It's like it's not ma'qulul ma'na. It's a ritual act. Like salat is a ritual act. Right? Um, and the analogy holds really well. Like for example, if you're going to walk up to the, 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 the saf and you're going to pray... If you make the niyyah in your head like, okay, Hafiz Tahir is going to say Allahu Akbar, and I make niyyah for whatever prayer uh, I need to pray right now. Is that valid? No, you have to make niyyah for a particular prayer. And then that salat will count for that particular prayer. What if, for example, you, Allah forgive us, but this is the case with many of us. We come to the masjid now with like award-winning beards and jubbas and, you know, uh, uh, whatever fashion... Uh, designs and whatnot that make us look like, uh, uh, you know, some sort of like extra from the message or whatever. But, uh, you know, before there, many of us have missed years of salat. So if you're making up the salat, are you required to, like you have years of salat to make up, are you required to know like which particular date you're going to make up? No, you just say, I'm making up a dhuhr that I missed. Some people have hundreds, if not thousands of them. Why? Because of the inability to pinpoint which which the dhuhr it is, the sharia gives a relaxation. Just like the inability to, cook, to grasp the animal, in particular, gives a relaxation that you can put the niya on the tool that you're using to uh, uh, kill it, rather than on the particular animal itself. Just like a person who has many years of makeup prayers is allowed to make the niya for like the jins of the salat, that, that they have to make up rather than the particular slot itself. Whereas if it's actually time for dhuhr right now, you have to make the niya. I'm praying the dhuhr for right now because there's no excuse not to. You know exactly which prayer you're going to be making up. And the reason for both of them requiring a niya, requiring an attention, is what? It's because they're both ritual acts of worship. In the, in the case of salat, the non-performance of salat is a sin. You absolve yourself from the sin by this act of obedience. In the same way, the eating of meat in general in our sharia mutlaqan is haram. All of it's haram. There's only an exception to that rule, which is, because this is an explanation of what one of the things Mufti Musayib said, Mulana Musayib said is what? Is that uh, uh, the meat has all these regulations. He didn't, what he didn't mean to say is that everything other than meat is halal. What he meant to say is that the default ruling of meat is haram. 
except for the meat that's gone through this procedure, whereas the default ruling of other things is halal, you can assume it's halal, except for in exceptional cases, right? So it's a ritual act that requires niyyah. Now tell me something, this is all a very long tamheed, 15 minutes we've taken. My goal is, by the way, to end this talk like far short of the amount of time I was assigned. But if the, the act of slaughtering an animal is a ritual act that requires an intention, and if we now understand why it is that every animal, every particular animal requires an intention for slaughter in order for that animal to be halal. Now tell me something. According to this, we're all Hanafis here, right? Lombard, if you like, you know, if you uh, uh, pray with or with two salams, you know, there's a mob out to uh, crucify you. I've actually, there are people have made several masajid in within like a 15 mile radius of this masjid. I've been, actually, masjid boards have been asked not to allow me to lead salat because I'm ruining people's prayers because X, Y, Z, right? So if you're Hanafis, you're Hanafis, right? Now tell me something in, in the Hanafi madhab. If this is the case that every single particular animal requires an intention, and when you have an animal slaughterhouse, is that, the, is that slaughter or is that hunting? Is it slaughter or is it hunting? Okay. According to the Hanafi school, is there any way, is there any way that turning on a machine and having 200,000 chickens being slaughtered by that machine in an eight-hour shift, whether the person who turns the machine on says Bismillah or not, is there any way that that can be jais? No. There is no way that it's jais. This is not a difference within the madhab as far as I can tell. This is just haram. This is not a difference within the madhab as far as I can tell. This is just haram. This is one of those issues I hear everybody invoke, oh, Shaykh, why you make a big deal out of it? It's a difference of opinion. It's a difference of opinion. It's a difference of opinion. Right? That's how fiqh works for taxi drivers. How does fit work for scholars? Not everybody who, who issues an opinion, that opinion is worthy of being heeded. <laughs> However, if nobody issues the opinion in the first place, then it's as if that opinion doesn't exist at all. I have yet to see anybody bring any of the nusus from the books of fit, because all, all bodies of law are built on precedent. Don't tell me all of this modernist nonsense that, oh, look, you know, Shaykh, you're talking about something from 1400 years and the world has changed and blah, 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 the other thing, the other thing. You know the people who changed the world? It wasn't you and me. It was somebody else. You know the people who changed the world and who dominate and like run the world right now? The ones that everybody in uh, back home countries are saying, oh, look how good their system is. There's no corruption. There's no this. There's no that. In the Supreme Court, when they decide a, a matter, do you think all of the uh, justices, nine justices, agree on, uh, agree on every matter? No. Oftentimes the decisions are split 5-4. What are the things that they talk about? What did their framers intend by this? What did the people who drafted the law intend by that? They'll petition literally the, the, the transcripts of the debates in Congress to see what was the intention behind this and behind that. What were the judgments that we gave in the past? Why? This is a unique uh, uh, attribute of the American legal system, and it's called a legal system. That's how every legal system works. The rest of it is like just conversation while you're driving a taxi. So I have yet to find a person who's shown me a nas in which any uh, scholars, uh, uh, authoritative scholars of the past have explained to me how this is going to be permissible. Someone might say, well, Shaykh, how are you going to get a, a nas from Ibn Daqiq al-Eid and all of these people that Masha'Allah Musayyib mentioned in his, in his talk? By the way, Ibn Daqiq al-Eid is who? Who is he? He's not the Imam of Masjid Usman. Ibn Daqiq al-Eid is one of the associates of Sultan al-Ulama Iz ibn Abdul Salam. Who is Iz ibn Abdul Why did they call him Sultan al-Ulama? Because that was his like, uh, uh, handle on Twitter? No. During their lifetime, the slave army of the Ayyubid state overthrew the government because the Crusaders and Mongols were about to overrun Egypt and Syria. 
And they took bay'ah at the hands of the ulama and they said, we're going to protect the state, otherwise these people are going to take the deen away from us. They're going to completely destroy Islam. Right? The Mongols, by the way, before, you know, when they were still pagans, before they accepted Islam, the tribal code of Cengiz Khan, it was called his Yasa. There were some hundred, over a hundred different laws in his Yasa that he established for the Mongol Empire. Right? You remember uh, Main Stop, right? That little shrine to the, the Mongol Empire, right? Ironic, ironic, ironic. Why? Because they had over a hundred laws in his, tri- in his tribal yasa that he gave for his people. These people respected him so much to this day, he's like a respected person to them. They had a little shrine for him in, in like this halal restaurant in Lombard. One of the laws is what? He saw the Muslims have a ritual way of slaughtering. He's like, this is great. We should have our way of slaughtering too. So his way of slaughtering that he uh, um, mandated as a law is that you have to cut the, cut the stomach of the animal and reach in and pull the beating heart out and like hold the beating heart until it stops. Over a hundred some odd laws, only one punishment. Guess what it is? Guess. Hastar? Huh? Death. Right? So they were about to overrun, they were over, about to overrun the heartland of Islam. These slaves overthrow them. And Sultan al-Ulama himself was from Halab. He was from, uh, uh, from Aleppo. Allah Ta'ala free it from the usurpers that occupy it right now. The Amir of Halab made a deal with the Crusaders. This is all while the Mongols are ransacking the central Muslim lands. He made a deal with them that what? You come and help me take Damascus from my brother or from my nephew, I forget which one it was. And we'll give you Jerusalem. And Sultan al-Ulama got up in the masjid. He says that anyone who had any bay'ah with this person, the bay'ah is null and void. This person has sold the, the Holy Land. It's weird because it's all like halal, Palestine, all these like hot button issues all coming into one, right? So he, go, he, 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 said, he said that you know, your bay'ah, your oath of allegiance with the emir is null and void. The emir wants to come kill him. All the people, they, they're going to rebel if the emir kills such a respected scholar. And so it's very tense. And finally, after diplomatic pressure from other places as well, that you cannot kill such a, a respected scholar, they come to an agreement, just leave. Just leave. They exile him. And so the Mamluks who had already overthrown the Ayyubids from Egypt, they say, come to us and uh, we'll, we'll honor you. We won't do this nonsense with you. And so what did he say? He said that uh, uh, my condition for coming to your lands is that I get to say what I want and rule how I, how, how I please, and I don't have to ask the permission of the emir for anything. And it was immediately granted to him. That's why they called him Sultan al-Ulama. The idea was there's like a normal sultan that rules the, the, the dola, the government. And then there's another sultan from amongst the ulama who does as he pleases. And it was their army that was the first army that beat the, uh, 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 the Mongols in the battlefield. All the way from, you know, imagine how far Mongolia is. It's very far away. From Mongolia all the way to the Ain uh, Jalut, the battle of Ain Jalut would ha- happen somewhere in like southern, uh, southern Sham. That was the first, the first army that beat them was that army of Saifuddin Qutuz, uh, uh, who was the patron of Sultan al-Ulama. And Ibn Daqiq al-Eid actually was a Maliki originally. But because, because Sultan al-Ulama, he had so much mahabba from him, he was his like, close associate. He had so much love for him. He learned the Shafi'i madhab and he would give fatwa because he was a Shafi'i as well because of that. Which is probably the only, one of the only few times I would sanction or condone somebody becoming a Shafi'i from, from really... Anyway, let's not go there. So the point is, is what? The point is, is that these people, these people, I mean, when you go and take the battlefield and you wipe the floor with, uh, uh, with the Mongols... Like they didn't just beat them. They like mopped. The f- they took them to school. They kicked a blank and they took names. Their commander of Titbuqa literally they they beheaded him and sent his head on a plate to uh, Karakorum to the Mongol capital. Tell me, are they just like some tablij jamaat Mulisab that's uh, harping on halal because uh, you know? But we have better things to deal with. No, those were the heroes of Islam. Those were the people, Yom Al-Qiyamah, the companions and the aslaf, the Anbiya alayhi salam will be proud when these people, uh, uh, when they see them. This is from, this is from our ummah. These are the fruits of our tree. 
He's the one that Mawlana Musayib was talking about. He's saying Al-Haram al-Bayyan is Asal Azim from the Usul al-Shari'a and things like that. Right? So coming back to this issue we talked about, tell me, is it possible you turn on a machine in the morning? Do you know what 200,000 chickens means? It means that the chickens that will be slaughtered at the end of the shift haven't even arrived to the plant yet, probably. When someone said, Bismillah, and turned the machine on. Someone said, but Sheikh, so-and-so place, maybe there's someone standing at the machine and saying Bismillah over every bird as it passes and touching it. It's very funny because it's interesting. Those people who say like, you know, difference of opinion, difference of opinion. I say, bring me the nas. If you can't bring me the nas, then bring me a fatwa from a living scholar. Because, you know, some people say there's not nusus, there's not uh, authoritative precedent-based uh, uh, texts that uh, we can quote about these issues because they're new. Actually, interestingly enough, if you read it enough, you'll find that there are opinions about all sorts of things that you never thought existed. However, fine. Bring a fatwa from a living scholar. We should have the right to scrutinize what they've said and not just take it as if it's, uh, you know, something revealed from uh, above the cover of the heavens. We should also read it and see what's there. Nobody writes the fatwa. They just say it's a difference of opinion. Everybody goes home and eats something uh, 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 doubtful. And that's being very charitable. I feel it's really, I feel it's haram. But, oh, he's a fanatical guy, you know. Uh, uh, don't lose. Okay, it's, at least it's doubtful. If nobody's willing to own up to the, own up to the uh, uh, fatwa, it's very doubtful. It actually, actually, it doesn't even exist. Like I said, that's the way cab drivers discuss fit. The way the fuqaha discuss it, if nobody's even willing to uh, own up to the opinion, the opinion doesn't even exist. <coughs> then we see people, there are some people who are quick to open their mouths. And quick to say, you know, Sheikh, you know, whatever. I say it's permissible and Yom Al-Qiyamah, the, the, the sin will all be on my head. I see people say crazy things like this, you know. There are places I've seen this for all sorts of issues. People will pray Jum'ah before Zuhur comes in. People will moon sighting, calculation. Every single issue under the sun, even if it is a difference of opinion, they'll take what's admittedly the weaker of the two opinions and they'll say, oh, the sin is on my head. And the Qur'an actually describes such people that they tell you this and they're going to get the sin, don't worry, but it's not going to absolve you of yours. So they say, well, maybe someone's standing. So now they're, they're imagining a machine that slaughters animals that doesn't actually exist in real life. But they're imagining it. Why? Because they're trying to you know, like, you know, extricate themselves from what's otherwise an embarrassing situation. Maybe someone's saying, Bismillah over every chicken as it goes. There's a recording that says Bismillah over every chicken as it goes. Can the tape recorder or MP3 player, Spotify, can it make Nia? No. Otherwise, me and Hafiz Tahir would be out of a job. They just have Spotify lead the Salat, you know? <laughs> We'd be driving Uber like the rest of the ulama. I'm not joking, by the way, about that. So the idea, the idea is like maybe someone, you know how fast those chickens go by on the, on the belt? You know, talk about fiqh of halal. The slower plants, maybe 80 birds per minute. The like, actual like, industry standard is somewhere like 160 and 140 birds a minute. Uh, tell me who's saying uh, uh, Bismillah, Allahu Akbar, like in less than half of a second for an eight-hour shift. This person, you know, like anyone who's read the books of the Sufis before, this person will have ishraq, they'll be illuminated by taking the divine name so many times uh, 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 in every minute until they'll see nur in every one of their four directions. Well, they would if such a person existed, but it's, like not, it's not possible except for through miraculous means, and those people are not at the chicken plant. If they are, they're the ones we should go and try to take, take the khirqa from. Because it's something very abnormal. These, these are, these are in, in, on top of all of that, because somebody is like, you know, fit, and this is, I love this, I love this. People, oh, the ulama are so backwards, they don't talk about anything. They're only, their minds are stuck in a couple of old ancient books that are like this and, you know, hundreds of years old. And, you know, we have real problems nowadays. You want to talk about real problems? You know, one of the biggest machine slaughtered chicken uh, 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 wholesalers in this country. You go ask the, ask the like, halal guys, they all know, the coach, 
कोच का जो चिकन है ना कोच इट्स नॉट कोच इट्स नॉट इट्स कोक इट्स कोक इट्स के ओ सी एच बट इट्स प्रोनाउंस कोक राइट कोक ब्रदर्स आर टू ऑफ द मोस्ट कास्टिकली एक्यूरेटली लाइक न्यू कंसर्वेटिव like you know like the 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 guys who like wanted to like put everyone like whose name was muhammad and the like guantanamo the people who introduced like the like fight ban list and like taking citizenship away from people and all this other nonsense like the the, the, the this whole country now is like oh my god china is about to overtake us and russia is like hacked our elections and whatever how were they able to do all of that is because they were like spending millions of dollars on surveillance of like you know ahmed who drives a taxi driver a taxi cab because of these coke brother type people's like rational irrational fear of islam but you know you may be brown you may be white you may be black but everybody's money's green right the coke brothers literally realized man these muslims are stupid these are some dumb people these are some really dumb people why because the machine turns on no one cares if someone said allahu akbar bismillah or not really and even if they did what sweat is it off of our back and we can slap this halal label on it and they'll all buy it from us and janab tabligh jamaat is eating it sufis are eating it students of knowledge are eating it their teachers are eating it the musallis in the masjid the muaddin is eating it the imam is eating it everyone's eating it and someone brings up you know hey you know we're actually funding these people who literally are multi billion dollar donors to As far as what I can tell everything evil in this country we're funding it as a part of our deen and then people tell me they tell me afterward our ulama don't uh, uh, aren't relevant and they don't know uh, you know what's going on and their their heads are stuck in all of these old like hundreds of year old books this is one issue by the way this is just one issue there's so many issues like this there's so many issues like this you guys anyone remember mad cow disease from the 90s Jack in the Box almost got shut down. They almost went out of business for it. Why? Because they're feeding feeding dead cows to other cows, dead rumen into other rumen. They actually had to ban it because people started dying from it. Why? Why is it that we can't like look in our own Sharia and see these uh, rules and regulations and believe in them? Why is it that those people who are competent that actually beat the Mongols and like held the crusaders at bay you know by the way you know one uh, the, the 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 commander of Qutuz army that that uh, 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 trashed Qutbuqa's uh, arm Qutbuqa's uh, like horde and sent his head to uh, uh, sent his head back to Mongolia you know who who the who the who the architect of that victory was the ruler who ruled after Qutuz Ruknuddin Baybars You know who Baybars is? Anyone here been to Medina? You've seen the dome, the green dome. Apparently some, the historians say it was originally purple. They painted it green later on, which I think, you know, it's a nice update. But uh, uh, that old part of the masjid that's like beautiful, that everybody like fights each other to like pray in, that's what it was built from. That's who built it. It was Baybars who, who built that part. This is a ajib tawfiq from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Those people were, were uh, concerned with these things. And now what do we have? We have all oh, people, uh, people, you know, Shaykh, it's hard in America. We have Darura, we have this, we have that. Those were literally all slaves. Qutuz was born into slavery. Babers was born into slavery. Al-Mansur Qalawun, who, uh, uh, who uh, was one of his lieutenants, he was born into slavery. He... He basically, his wasiya, Baber's wasiya to Qalawun when he was dying is don't leave one fortress of the Farinja in our sacred lands. Not the Christians. We don't have a problem with the Christians. We had the problem with the, with the Faranj. Don't leave any of them. And he finished the job except for one fortress. He was sieging it and he was on his deathbed. His son, uh, uh, Ashraf Khalil, he made him swear an oath. I don't care if they promise you all of the silver and all of the gold in Europe. You will kick them out. You will not accept it from... Swear to me before I die that you will not accept it from them. And he swore and they threw them out. They were slaves. None of us are slaves. I mean, someone may have to like, you know, like get like a job at Walmart, you know, when times are tough or whatever. None of us are going through that much difficulty, right? These are the people who are concerned with these things. These were the people who were concerned with, with eating right. Why? Because like the, the hadith of Muslim that Mulan will say quoted... 
that the person spreads his hands in front of the heavens and he says, Oh my Lord, oh my Lord, and his food and drink and his clothes, all of it is haram. How is Allah Ta'ala going to answer his du'as? How is it practical? We need the help even more than other people did in the past. We're not the ones who uh, conquered Constantinople. We're not the ones who, uh, you know, uh, unite the crowns of Rome and of Persia under our rule. We're not those people. We need all the help that we can get. Why is it that for them it was impractical, for us it's impractical to eat halal, and for them it was impractical not to eat it? I literally had this discussion because I, I, I tweeted this program from my Twitter. Anyone who has the misfortune of following me on social media knows the fun and games that are going on outside. And if you don't, please don't. Please stay not following it. Right? He is really, he understood, he gets it. The fallout, just from tweeting this program, I actually had a, a, a detailed talk with another scholar who said, why is it you guys are the only ones who uh, make this machine slaughter thing in a big, into a big deal, this, that, and the other. And I, I went through the entire discussion with him. I said, show me who's the one who says this is Jai's. Well, Sheikh Fulan said it was Jai's. This is Sheikh Fulan. I actually I spoke to him through his representative, and he said that, well, I didn't say it was Jai's. I was just saying that you guys are in America. You're in a difficult situation. And so I was trying to see, is there a way that it could be halal for you? This is not what the Sharia prescribes. It's not what the Sharia mandates. He doesn't know anything about the Koch brothers. He's just talking about the, the, the very basic masala itself. And why is it the Egyptians say this? Why is it that the Mauritanians say that? Why is it that the Algerians say this? I said, it's all, it's all based on this assumption because the Mufti only answers the question that is asked of him or her. Right? Modern Wolde, right? Our sisters are very knowledgeable, some of them, right? So... If you ask them and say, like, everyone's dying or whatever, yeah, okay, don't die, go ahead and eat it. You know, maybe it's somehow kind of jais or whatever until you can find a solution. Somebody on Twitter is like, yeah, you know, Sheikh, uh, 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 I asked so-and-so, I'm studying in Egypt right now, I asked so-and-so again, and he says, yes, the fatwa is based on darura. It's based on darura, necessity, right? Uh, mashallah, we have a, 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 a no dearth of Urdu speakers in the room. That's not what darura means in the Sharia. Darura is what? You're going to die. You're going to lose an eye. You're going to be tortured until you have to give your deen up. You're going to have to sleep like outside in the winter. You know, and you're going to suffer from hypothermia, so they're going to have to cut off your, your, your toes. That's what darura is in the sharia. I said, listen, bhai, I had a Caesar salad for lunch. And uh, what did I have yesterday for lunch? I had a Caesar salad, and I had, I cut a cucumber and uh, uh, ate that, and I ate one more thing. I'm trying to think about what it is. Yeah, I ate an egg frittata from Trader Joe's. There's two of them. It's very high in protein, mashallah. I'm telling you which death am I going through right now. If someone listens to this bayan on SoundCloud, you know, I assure you, tales of my emaciation are greatly exaggerated. This is not a darura. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us those types of food and those means to eat and drink that nobody else had in the past. No one's going to die. You're gonna, in fact, you're going to die from eating that, that, that stuff. You're not going to die from not eating it. I have a degree in biochemistry. Nobody wants to hear about the biochemistry from me. Bhai Abdul Ghani, mashallah, who uh, we sent to South Africa to train. He's like our quote-unquote ingredients guy or whatever, right? If I tell you what, what, what idea do you have, like a chicken that lives under stress uh, in the dark, uh, has an abnormal life cycle, puts on weight so fast that it can't even walk anymore, and uh, uh, on top of that, it lives in such a filthy condition, that, such a filthy condition that it has to be given antibiotics in its feed, which is also, by the way, made out of other dead animals. What do you think, you know, like, if you're like a big modern science don, you know, uh, mullahs are backwards, they only cite the moon because they don't know about technology type of weirdo. What do you think? What do you, hey, science guy, what do you think about that? You don't have a beard. You wear a suit and tie. You must know more about science than me. You tell me what do you think is going to happen to the person who eats that. 
So, brothers and sisters, this is a very long discussion. The person who, and the, the fact of the matter is, is that not everyone's going to listen to it. The one who does listen to it, I am very proud of it, by the way. There's someone put this, like if you put back the, where's here? If you put back the, min fadlik, if you put back the slide that has the names of the presenters, you know, and the program on it, who are these people? Okay? This halal advocates, it started myself, Mufti Abdullah Nana, Mana Tahir Anwar, Hamar Sahib Zakaria, Mana Saad Qadiri, right? It was started so long ago with no name, with no logo. How can I tell you this logo, who was it designed by? It was written by Khattat, who was a student of my Shaykh. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give rahmah and mercy and high daladah to our Shaykh. His student, I remember he went and studied from our Shaykh, rahimahullah ta'ala. So me and Bhai Adnan Faiz was studying right now, Allah ta'ala keep him his protection and complete his studies and bring him back with afiyah. I said, we'll ask him about the Shaykh, you know, he'll tell us about him. And so, uh, say, can you, Mullah uh, Suleiman Desai, can you tell us about the Sheikh? And he just, he just like started trembling. This is in England, it's in, it, it, this is in, in Leicester. He just started trembling and he cried for a good like two and a half minutes. It was really awkward, no one said anything. And then like when the tears stopped, we just changed the subject and whatever, right? What can I tell you about these people? Who is this Mulana Musayyid, right? Who is this Bhayadul uh, Ghani? Who is this by Hamza Warsi? What, who are the, our inspectors, these people? What can I tell you about these people? These are the khulasa Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brought me the best of the qawm. I don't need everybody. I don't need everybody. We don't need to fill up the Rosemont uh, Convention Center with this fikr. We just need a small number of people who will make sure that whatever food comes into the masjid is halal. We need a small number of people who will put pressure on the businesses and who will put pressure on the masajid in order to make sure whatever comes in is halal is halal. If there's another organization doing a better job than halal advocates, barakallahu fikum. I have better things to do with my Sunday than give people a bayan about meat. People have this idea that some of the ulama, that the ulama are just a poor backwards class. They have nothing else to do. They couldn't afford a real education, so they went to the madrasa. It's actually true about some people. It's not true about me, alhamdulillah. I have other things to do. Let them take care of it. But make sure that this thing is, 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 is treated like deen. The people who want to have like taxi cab fiqh and chai, chai uh, 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 corridor fiqh, don't let them hijack the deen of the ummah, of the Prophet On top of that, What's the reward for, for carrying this cross? That nobody, nobody's going to offer their daughter to you to marry because of this. Nobody is going to uh, uh, elect you Masjid President because of carrying this burden. Nobody's going to invite you to give khutbah or, uh, 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 you know, uh, whatever, have a high station or elect you to any uh, office because of this. What's the reward? The reward is this. If you convince one of the businesses to switch to halal, everybody, people have to eat like several times a day, many of them, right? Well, they don't have to, but they do anyway. Some of them shouldn't, they do anyway. Imagine the person, you know, Hafiz Tahir, he recites Quran like an angel. Mashallah, everyone say mashallah, right? How many, how many uh, uh, pe- people in the masjid saying amin after his fatiha? So many raka'at in the days, you know? <coughs> Who do you think there's a greater number of? Muslims that pray or Muslims that eat? Unfortunately, it should be the same number. It's Muslims that eat by like, if we want to be idealistic, like double, but it's actually probably more like four or five times the amount at minimum. On top of that, do non-Muslims eat as well? Mmm, halal. I love halal. Halal is amazing, right? Muhammad Musay was talking about, I eat halal, I love, I get some halal, you know? My, uh, anyway. I told you I was going to end the band, so I'm going to end it, right? No, no, why? Let people have a break. So, the, the, uh, 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 they eat every day. The Muslim eats, the non-Muslim eats. Everybody that I know who became a Muslim with only one exception. Every convert I know with only one exception. There's one exception, friend of mine, he said, I had bacon in the morning on my way to the Shahada, and I just had to give it up, and that's it. Every other person I know who became Muslim stopped eating haram. So I became a vegan, I became a vegetarian, I started eating kosher, I this, I that. And then one day somebody told me about Islam, and it just made sense. Right? Who's the one who's going to get the reward for all of that? Even more than Hafiz Tahir making khatam al-Quran and taraweeh. Who's going to get that? The few people from the qawm that make sure that this thing is straight. Make sure that this thing, this thing gets implemented. <laughs> and the beautiful part is what? 
if someone was gonna shabash you real hard about it you know like give you real congratulations and like extol you put you on a pedestal like you would be if you were a master qari or a great alim or a uh, you know like a, a celebrity right a celebrity people say sheikh you should talk about this and that it will bring people into the masjid i go listen bhai, if the objective was bringing people into the masjid I know I'll get banned from MSI for another two years for saying this, but it's the truth, and I'm going to say it anyway, and inshallah, they'll call me back after two years. If the object, objective is to bring people into the masjid, just have a stripper give the khutbah. I promise you the entire masjid will be packed. Is it true or is it not? Whether or not I should have said it, if you say I shouldn't have, you're probably right. But suspend that matter for a moment. Is it true or not? It's true, right? But it doesn't mean we should do it, right? If you were that type of person and everybody loved you for it, it would just increase your punishment. If you were a good person and you packed the masjid and everyone adored you for it, at best, that adoration and adulation would have been a fitna for you. It would have been a fitna for you. It would have been a danger. It would have been like someone just gave you a million dollars in cash in a bag and there's like 40 thieves uh, uh, surrounding the masjid. Who's going to make it out without losing at least some of it? But this, my friends, nobody is ever going to pat you on the back. Your own mother and father are probably going to cuss you for this. I know. Trust me, I know. Your own mother and father will probably cuss you out. Your own brothers and sisters will probably cuss you out for this. So in that sense, there's no thieves waiting around to steal your reward. Inshallah, it will be mahfuzah in the Allah tabarak wa ta'ala. And, you know, not everybody is like at iman high like they are in the masjid. You know, we're in the masjid, everyone's thinking, Allah, Rasul, Salaam, you know, beating the Mongols, let's do this, Islam, Muslim, Umar, rah, 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 right? You go home and then Netflix turns on and like, you know, you see a funny cat video and God knows what thing leads to another and people are like backbiting someone, someone says something funny, we all laugh. Uh, things kind of go downhill, right? You can't be praying all the time. Someone's going to be eating something halal all the time. So that when those not so bright moments happen in your deen, you have like insurance policy to back you up. This is what the, what the, uh, the benefit is. I'm not just here to entertain you for 15, 15 minutes and then move on. Or to offend you for 15 minutes and move on. There's a maqsid for this gathering. Is that this effort is there. And this is wonderful. I love this. I love this. You go into a restaurant... And uh, you ask them, is the food you have halal? Except for some very much zub people, you know, some awliya of Allah Ta'ala. Uh, 99% of people, they get really upset. Even if you ask in the nicest way possible. Freedom of Information Act. You're not, I'm not, I'm not going to say nothing. I just want to know. That's all. I'm not going to judge you. Nothing. They'll still freak out. Brother, why I need certificate? Yani, I am Muslim. I say, la ilaha illallah. What right do you have asked me? I said, brothers, this is not how Islam works. That's how Protestantism, certain branches of Protestantism works. It's based on like the, the freedom of the rugged individual. Right? In Islam, we're an ummah, we're a community. The sharia works with a qanun. The sharia is a theoretical and usuli set of, it's a paradigm, it's a model based on which uh, uh, a system should work. And it can be applied to any time and any place. The application has to take a set form. If somebody else is doing this work, if anybody else is doing this work, if anybody else can make a poster with this many words in it and without any severe spelling or grammatical mistakes other than us, show me so I can support them instead. Because Allah is witness, I don't want to do this work. That's why I want to do it. But we already went over that, right? And if not, then... Take this as a part of the implementation of your deen. Take it seriously. Make dua. When it's mentioned, think about it. We couldn't establish the Ottoman Caliphate, but this is our small piece of the puzzle Allah Ta'ala gave us. Who knows, maybe another person will come with another piece and we'll put it together and it will show like, you know, a clearer and bigger and bigger picture. Maybe Allah will give us tawfiq one day. Trust me, not only is it the piece of the puzzle, it's one of the... One of the out of like the whatever a thousand piece puzzle is like one of the three or four most important pieces Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give all of you tawfiq we thank you for your support please give not only your time share this talk inshallah when it's posted from the MSI website and from SoundCloud uh, listen to the other talks call and text people tell them to come inshallah to the later 
presentations. Look for the seal. When you see the seal in the restaurant, tell them, you know, we're happy that you guys do this. You know, people, people, people will invent all sorts of nonsense. They used to say about the Prophet them that like, you know, he, uh, uh, I don't know, he, he's a sorcerer and he's a poet. They lie about him, right? People say, oh, we can't take the certificate. It costs too much. You know how much the certificate costs? My, my, my uh, opinion in the mashra was that it should cost what it costs us to actually inspect. The brothers who actually do the inspection, they said, no, we're volunteers, we'll hustle and we'll take the cost on ourselves. It costs $25 a month, right? $25 a month? $25 a month for two random inspections, weekly inspections, and full audit of what goes in and out of the restaurant. Anyone who comes to us and says, I can't afford it. We make a deal with them. We will let you pay after two years. And if your business collapses before that, more than half of restaurants, by the way, collapse within the first two years. Which means what? We're doing it for free, more or less. If your business collapses within the two years, it's, we'll write it off just like you write off your expenses. Anyone who tells you they can't afford it is a liar. The only one who wouldn't take it is the one who doesn't want this Nizam to be implemented. Allah Ta'ala give us hidayah, the only one is the one whose nafs and ego is getting in the way of their wanting this nizam to be implemented. If they don't, let them have someone else inspect their uh, store randomly twice a week and do all of this work. There are many certificates that are photocopies of somebody's like, uh, you know, uncle's death certificate. Um, let them, you see the seal, tell them, thank you, thank you, Jazakumullah khairan. Jazakumullah khairan. You have this seal, I eat at your, at your restaurant. Now I'm happy that you're actually concerned with the deen, with Islam, whether they're Muslims or non-Muslims. On top, of, on top of that, inshallah, if you have the gall, if you want to live the Meccan period where the Muslims used to get like shoes and entrails and like rocks thrown at them, then go into a business and say, hey, you know about this Allah certificate, you might want to look into it. Someone might throw something at you, but it will be in the, in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But this system, this system has to prevail. It has to prevail. This is not a story time bayan. This is us doing it. All of us, we're doing it together. Whoever wants to do it, inshallah, raise your hand. Who will do it, inshallah? This is not like one of those things that, you know, like you hide it because of your piety. Raise your hand. This day, the person who is a coward... Right, that person, the, everyone will be witness against them. Yom al-Qiyamah, inshallah. Participate in it. If you can't do anything else except for just be happy about it and make dua, do that much, inshallah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give all of you so much tawfiq. Allah give all of us so much tawfiq. Allah accept it from us. Whoever raised their hand, ya Allah, whoever eats uh, 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 you know, a piece of lettuce from uh, between Alaska and uh, Florida uh, that, that, that is sold under the seal. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, give all of those people raise their hand, a, a, a reward every single time. Allah ta'ala, raise a, a rank every single time. Allah ta'ala, forgive all of their sins every single time. From here until Yawm al-Qiyamah, uh, wa sallallahu ta'ala ala rasulihi Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.